was able to learn at my own pace, but was mentored by very squared away police officers. Like the, those men guided me and molded me into the, the law enforcement official I am today. Welcome to Shop Talk with Chief Jeff Walther. And for one last time, Sergeant Kevin Kwan. Hey everyone, welcome to the Kevin 21st episode of Shop Talk. I'm your host, Chief Jeff Walther. And my trusty sidekick, Robin. Oh boy, this is bad. Sergeant Kevin Kwan, soon to be, very soon to be, Lieutenant Kevin Kwan. Yes. Yep. Uh, probably in a fit of drunken stupor, I promoted Kevin to uh, the rank of lieutenant uh, coming this Sunday, Kevin. Yeah, that's right. So 21st episode that we've been here together, and that's it. There'll be no 22 for you. No, not your, unless you bring me back as a random Your guest. replacement, who, which we'll select here in the next week or so, will be uh, will be my new trusty sidekick. I guess I could go with Commander Coffee since he's filled in for you once or twice or Officer Aaron Bolin, uh, your your side, your day to day sidekick, but I think we're gonna we'll go with your replacement, whoever your replacement is, and throw him right into the fire Gotta in episode twenty two. Yep. So uh, glad to be with everybody this uh, episode. A lot going on, of course. Yes, uh, a lot going on. It's just been uh, you know we came out of uh, super season and uh, with a lot of craziness, but uh, a lot of, we're seeing you know a lot of violence, uh, a lot of shootings, a lot of you know picking up a lot of shell casings <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so a lot, lot going on in the Valley, but uh, we're not going to talk about that today. I, I'm, uh, I'm super excited and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll introduce him here momentarily, but uh, we have a great guest today. Yeah. Like it was when he came into the building today, it was like the prodigal son returning, That's right. That's uh, right. you know, from a, from a, you know, I don't know, 18 year hiatus. <laughs> and so we'll get to, uh, we'll get to our guest, which is, uh, FBI special aide in charge of the Phoenix field office, Akil Davis, who I'll give everybody a little, uh, a little tidbit used to be, uh, started his career as law enforcement careers, a Scottsdale police officer and, uh, Scottsdale police detective, uh, oh, so many years ago, he looks exactly the same, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get to, uh, SAC Davis here momentarily, but, uh, I want to talk about you, you know, what's your, what, what do you got going on? What's your plan? You know, you're going to, you're going to be, uh, for those of our, in our audience who listen, when you get promoted to lieutenant, you wind up uh, going back to the road, and you'll be uh, you'll be a watch commander, yeah. and uh, probably on midnights. Thanks, chief. Yeah, yeah midnights. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic to not know what the sun looks like anymore, and and remember <laughs> all of the days that I had working in the office. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity and uh, getting to really further the vision of. of what oh, we've been here doing we here. go. Listen <laughs> to the friggin' what is this? An oral board answer? Right. Come on, like. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I do. Every I'm really day. looking forward to furthering the vision of the Scottsdale Police Department and partnering with the community. Stop. That's a good one. We should make that our, our vision statement. Uh, but Funny it's you should say that. I think we've been working on a new mission statement, and uh, we're, we are telling to the group we are moving away from. Uh, we have a mission statement that uh, I, I don't know. I'm the police chief, and I couldn't tell you what it is. Right. Uh, it's uh, you know multi paragraphs long, which is too much. And, right. And uh, we have uh, we have core values. Can, do you remember what they are? The three things I call them the platitudes on the wall of the current ones. Yeah, the excellence initiative and integrity right, ones. Right. Why is integrity third? I always wondered that. Probably uh, have to delete that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's actually that's that's a good that's a good point. But you know, when looking at that, I'm like, you know, that's not that's those aren't action oriented. No, uh, I, that's we need to. I think in law enforcement, both uh, 
both local and federal state that we, we need to look at it and say, hey, here are the here here not necessarily the core values, but here are the fundamental or foundational behaviors that really drive us as an organization. Right. So mm-hmm. we're going to be rolling that out. Uh, we have, I think we've identified 26 foundational behaviors that really drive the Scottsdale Police Department. I know people are like, okay, what's a foundational behavior? And I'll give you an example is that uh, uh, have, have courageous conversations. Yeah. That's a fun, that's a foundational behavior, have courageous conversations. And it's one of those things we have in here. Uh, we'll talk to SAC Davis about this as well. And, and having uh, in law enforcement, you have to have courageous conversations. Here's another one. Find a way. Yeah. Right. Right. Find a way to get things done. Exactly. It's, it's right. an opportunity uh, to be successful. One that I uh, really like, I think about it over and over again, is practice blameless problem solving. Too often we're like focused on who who made the mistake. Well, let's not focus on who made the mistake. Let's focus on resolving the problem right, right now. Getting the change in right. order to fix it. Uh, I'll give you one last one before we move on. It's a show meaningful appreciation. Right there's an opportunity for us to all the great things that we do that our employees do each and every day. That there's got to be a way that we continually show meaningful appreciation. So really what drives me and what drives the organization is, is foundational behaviors. You know, some people call them fundamental behaviors, uh, but fundamental, the word fundamental is, means basic. Yep. And I'm not looking for basic behavior. I'm looking fo- for foundational. What are the foundational behaviors that we exhibit every day? Uh, the bedrock of the organization that moves us forward. And we have 26 foundational behaviors uh, that we'll roll out to the community uh, that they should always expect from us. It will roll out internally and then uh, and then come up with some. I'm sorry, you're not going to be here because we're <laughs> going to come out with some great ways. Uh, there's no. It's not by accident that we have 26 foundational behaviors because there we have 26 pay periods. I want to roll out a foundational behavior every other week with a short. Steve, you're going to be busy. Uh, we're going to do we're going to do a short video uh, from cross segment of the entire organization. Yeah. So it'll be, uh, hi, this is perfect for you, Steve. Hi, I'm Lieutenant Kwan. Uh, That's I so work weird. the deep dark midnights, <laughs> <laughs> and the foundational behavior this week is practice blameless problem solving. Here's what that means, and here's how we impl- implement that. Have a great week. Yeah. And then the expectation is that at your first unit meeting briefing. Uh, command staff meeting, whatever meeting is your first of that week, you know that you're going to talk about, hey, let's start out the meeting with uh, practice blameless problem solving as one of our foundational behaviors. Talk about a little bit, boom, into the meeting. It really solidifies uh, who we are as an organization. For So for our listeners out there, that's, our, that's my goal as we're tweaking our mission statement. It's going to be one sentence. And, uh, and then we're going to really talk about foundational behavior. Today's guest is returning home to where he started. In 1999, he began with good old Scottsdale PD, but in 2005, he left our department to pursue a career with the FBI, where he joined them as a special agent assigned to the Palm Springs Resident Agency, which is a satellite of the Los Angeles field office. There, he investigated violent crime, organized crime, and narcotics trafficking. In 2008, Mr. Davis deployed to Kabul, Afghanistan, working with the U.S. Army's 10th Special Forces Group. In 2011, he was promoted to Supervisory Special Agent and transferred to the Weapons of Mass Destruction Directorate in FBI Headquarters. In 2014, he returned to the Los Angeles Field Office to manage the Transnational Organized Crime Program. He was named Assistant Special Agent in charge of the Los Angeles Office in 2019. Then in 2021, Mr. Davis was promoted to Section Chief in the International Operations Division here in the Phoenix area. 
please welcome Special Agent in Charge, Akil Davis. So I will tell you, I'll tell the audience that um, you know, all joking aside, I, I am incredibly, incredibly proud uh, to introduce uh, Special Agent in Charge, Akil Davis of the Phoenix uh, Field Office. Uh, Akil, welcome. Thanks, Chief. It's, Jeff, I appreciate yes, it. Yes, it's so Glad exciting. to be home. Yeah, it's so exciting. Glad to be home. Uh, to have Akil here. And I'll let Akil really talk about um, kind of his journey. He's got a great story, a great journey, and how he got into law enforcement as, a, as kind of a local kid. And, uh, and then his journey to find himself all the way back home here um, as, uh, as the SHE, SAC. And for, most, for all of our folks out there, Akil's the chief. He's the he's the he's the big dog in in the state of Arizona, out of the Phoenix Field Division. So he runs pretty much everything uh, for the FBI here in the state of Arizona, and uh, as an organization, having having uh, really kind of, uh, I'll say fostered uh, Akil's <laughs> uh, law enforcement career. We we could not be more proud of him and to, to bring him uh, have him come back here and and uh, be one of our. Uh, First and foremost, our just our incredible federal partner with the bureau, and so welcome, Akil. And uh, don't you talk a little bit about yourself? I, I know that's All not right. hard, uh, <laughs> but you know, talk a little, talk a little bit about yourself, and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're. I, I know everybody's excited to hear. Yeah, Jeff, uh, Chief, thanks a lot for having me here. Um, I've got many, many stories and fond memories of the city of Scottsdale and working for the Scottsdale Police Department, but. I'll start with uh, name dropping. It started with Mike Sperry and yeah, Mike yeah. Sperry was the recruitment guy. And I remember filling out my application for Scottsdale police department from, you know, my, my crappy little apartment in Los Angeles, my, my senior year in, in uh, college. And Where'd you go to school? I went to UCLA. The played Mighty a little Bruins, football there. Played a little football, ran a little track. Um, yeah. Had, had some good times in the city of Los Angeles prior to coming back back home here to the Valley. Went to Dobson High School in Mesa. But um, my conversation with Mike Sperry, I, you know, I had a bunch of applications out, as most cops do. Scottsdale, I think most of the agencies in the, in the East Valley, Phoenix. And uh, Mike Sperry was the only one. As soon as I hit send on that, that you know, online application, called me right away and said, hey, we'll, we'll bring you out here and we'll knock out all your stuff in, the, in, in this week. We mm-hmm. really want you here. Um, you're going to be graduating in June of, uh, I believe it was 99 is when I was graduating college. And uh, in July of 99, I was in the police academy. Wow. And that was all due to Mike Sperry, like guide me through yeah. like, hey, do this, don't do this. And I, I, I I'll give him um, some more credit in that. He asked, hey, where else are you applying? And I told him, and he said, you know, we need good cops everywhere, so good luck to those agencies, but I think you're going to want to be here yeah. in Scottsdale. And, you know, the, the rest is history. I, I have not, you know, regretted one moment of, of working for this this city. It was great. It was a blast. Um, I would have done it for free. Yeah. It was great. It's funny you say that. We used to say that all the time. Like, I can't believe I get paid to do this job. I do, I do it for free. I can't believe No, I wouldn't. I actually this. wouldn't take all this responsibility as the chief and do it for free. But, right. but it's still a cool job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Akil, can you kind of talk about, you know, you, you got into law enforcement. You, you, you ran track. You played football. You went to school here. Um, 
talk about some of your assignments. You were in a pretty yeah. cool, other than patrol, you were in a great assignment here yeah. mm-hmm. um, as a detective. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, just real quick for patrol, 402, working the old the old B2 for anybody that doesn't know. Yeah, oh, south yeah. part of the city. Yeah. South yeah. part of the city, working, uh, what was that, um, Wednesdays through Saturday? Is that right? Yeah, Wednesday through Saturday was, uh, uh, D, was D shift back yeah, then. Yeah, old D shift, yeah. 4P to 2A. Yeah. You were running around with the cool guys on the on the old heat unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you guys now we like, call street crimes. You guys yeah. were like the the Avengers of Scottsdale PD. <laughs> Don't worry. When I first met Jeff, I thought those guys walked on yeah. water. But for our listeners, <laughs> I actually was a real police officer at some point in my career. Not, he was not, not just the chief. Yeah. He was. Please uh, email me for stories if you want <laughs> about your chief. But uh, no, patrol was great. So I worked on a worked on a great shift, and and what I learned there, I learned um, from a lot of good former sergeants here, uh, Jeff Smythe, J- uh, Jim yeah, Dore, yeah, um, some some solid cops that were that were here. Um, you know, Eric Rasmussen, yeah, um, just learned learned from a lot of good Rob Hoskins, another one. Um, just learned from a lot of good, a lot of good cops here. And that propelled me and made me competitive for the rope unit. I was part of that first iteration of the repeat offender program, which you guys still have here yep. today. Yep. Um, and you know, what I like about that, looking back in my position now is, you know, that, that unit was created by data. It was a data driven right. thing. Like that yep. ran corporation study that, that highlighted 10% of the criminals commit 90% of the crime. And if you focus on that 10%, it will reduce crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. City of Scottsdale bought off on that. We created that unit and we, we targeted that 10% yeah. and immediately saw the results of that, saw benefits from that lowering um, violent crime and significant property crime here in, in Scottsdale. So it was great. And uh, everything that I learned there, and it, it's kind of like every step of my law enforcement career built upon the previous step. So yeah. it just prepared me for that next step. So, you know, some, you know, I've been asked, Hey, how come you didn't, why didn't you work for Phoenix PD? That's a big police department. Yeah. They got a lot going on in the city of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, when you, when you look at these big police departments, Phoenix PD, LAPD, you know, you go there as a patrol cop and you're going to be on patrol for about five to seven years. Yeah. You cannot even consider being a detective mm-hmm. um, at, at any time before that time period. Here in Scottsdale, after two years, I was able to, to you know, get selected for the SWAT team. Yeah. And then after four years, I was I was a detective. Um, in that time, I was also a field training officer. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that at a major police department. So oh, I, yeah. I was able to learn at my own pace, but was mentored by very squared away police officers. Yeah. Like the, those men guided me and molded me into the, the law enforcement official I am today. It's, it's such a cool story because uh, one of the things that I talked to and we've, and we've taken on a lot of laterals, uh, especially after the pandemic and uh, George Floyd. And during that whole time period, civil unrest, we started to get a lot of applicants from big agencies from around the country that mm-hmm. were, were running that were, you know, mass exodus out mm-hmm. of Philly and Chicago and New York. And, uh, and a couple of those uh, officers who are terrific officers here today, they mm-hmm. talked about how they, they really learned how to become a police officer here, mm-hmm. um, an investigator here, because in yep. their big agencies, they'd respond to the call. And let's say it was a shooting or a homicide or a sexual assault or drug related. And they would get there. They would, they would hold the scene. Yep. They'd call detectives and detectives mm-hmm. would come out. Right. Yeah. Well, we do that for major, major crimes, but our patrol officers are empowered to actually investigate crimes yes. roll on the scene this is what's going on and start the investigation do follow up on that and and uh and, and it's really helped them become better police officers which is a springboard then to when you went to rope mm-hmm. 
you're you had the invest some investigative background behind you because you did it on the road, and I think that Absolutely. that puts us a leg up over a lot of different places. I, I felt this internal, right? Like no one ever said this to me, but I felt this internal. Hey, you better bring your A game because your partner that's on the midnight shift that's working your same beat, and your yeah. partner that's working the noon shift in your same beat. That guy's got fel- four felony arrests today. Yeah. And so you show up and you work in that same beat and you come up goose egg. You don't have any arrests. Like, what do you, Yeah. I felt that internal competition oh, yeah. and you'd hear your partners and the other, you know, you know, one L2, one in custody, 1040 Frank, yeah, yeah, one yeah, L2, yeah, one in yeah. custody for, and I'm like, man, they got another drug arrest. I think it's awesome. You still remember the codes. <laughs> I remember, oh, yeah. It was that impactful, but, but that, that's, you know, you can do that here yes. as a patrol officer and in, and are encouraged to do that. Yes. Yeah. You know, we're an organization of 700 people, 400 of those are sworn. I, I just think that's a great, I think it's a great yeah. story. And like I said, as a, as a kind of as a midsize agency, we, you get to do some great things. You're not just a number here. You, mm-hmm. you know, you can make a great name for yourself. You can go to a lot of great operational assignments. That's how we pick people for the special assignments unit and SWAT and, and uh, street crimes and, and rope and other great units. You make a name for yourself mm-hmm. or you don't. Right. And so um, it's that's that's true. And obviously, you made a great name for yourself because getting to rope in that time period. And I don't remember Akil, if if that was the first rope unit, we were just had just stood up the first rope unit, and then you were part of that. I, I think that just speaks volumes to um, that work ethic. And it's no surprise then all these years later, here you are as the <laughs> SAC. So um, uh, I don't know, talk about that transition. Then you know you you. You grew up in the Valley, you played uh, sports here, you went to California, you went to UCLA, and then came back, came back home and, and got a great job here, worked for us for, I think, seven years? It was right around seven five, years? Five years, yep. Okay, so right around that five-year time, but you, you had, a, you had a, a, an inkling or an itch or a desire to, to go federal. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I got a lot of law enforcement in my, in my family, and, and my sister works for that other that other three-letter agency, and she's a little <laughs> bit older than me. And I remember when when she was getting recruited. Wait by a minute, the, uh, there's several three-letter there's like, agencies. There's like five of them. That, yeah, but that that, that other three-letter agency <laughs> they, that they hate when we use their name, but everybody calls them by that name. But uh, I remember when she was getting recruited by them. I asked her. I said, "Is there, you know, is there a domestic agency?" Because wasn't interested in living overseas right. and doing all this. Is there a domestic agency that that does what you guys do that that's here? And she said, "Yeah, the FBI." So really, ever since then, I kind of had this thought of, of, of maybe looking at, at federal law enforcement and, yeah. and how to do that. Um, and, you know, each step of my career here at Scottsdale started as 4L2, then 4L21. Yeah. And, you know, even when I was 4L2, just, you know, a regular beat cop, you know, my sergeant was always yelling at me because that, that Motel 6 down on Scottsdale Road, <laughs> it's technically in the city of Tempe, was a gold mine. And yeah. so, Tony Morris, I'm throwing your name out there, too. Tony and I would be fighting to get to that, that you know, parking lot you and know start Tony's running. still places. here. I do know Tony's still <laughs> I mean, here. <laughs> I mean, he's not really here. He's on a task he's force. On, but he's, yeah. he's on a three-letter agency. He's on a three-letter agency, could, agency yeah. task force, <laughs> That's right. yeah. But, uh, you know, so I was always looking for bigger and bigger. So, you know, 402, 4L21. You know, then you become a detective and, you know, you're, you're, you're restricted by the borders of the state yeah, really at that right. point. And then it was really doing that kind of stuff and having some, that interstate reach on some of the, some of the ropers we were going after in, in California and all over the Southwest. And then that really kind of just lit the fire to, Hey, I, I'm going to take a swing at this federal thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, um, 
a calculated risk. If it was not successful, I was more than happy staying here and yeah. spending the rest of my career yeah. here. And then it was a shot in the dark. You know, the FBI told me at any given time, there's about 80,000 police officers in background with the FBI. Wow. And I was one of those 80,000. Yeah. I didn't speak a foreign language. I wasn't a PhD. You know, I was a, I was a you know, uh, an aggressive police officer from the city of Scottsdale. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I brought to, to hard work. And, you know, that's what they liked. And that got me, that got me selected. So. Yeah. What were some of your assignments when you kind of first start out? Because, you know, we go, we go to patrol and right. that's kind of our first stuff. What, what, do, what do you guys do in the Bureau since it's like investigation, but is there a yep. patrol aspect to it? You know, it's, it's funny you ask that. I, I wish the FBI had just a small portion of a patrol function because you learn so yeah. much. You learn how to talk yep. to people, mm -hmm. yeah. how to walk up and say, hi, I'm officer so-and-so right. and I'm here because of this. Yeah. So the FBI doesn't really have that function. So Quantico starts at that detective level how to investigate crime. Okay. So, you know, me being a detective when I got there, um, you know, I had some days where I could, I could, I could maybe zone out a little bit <laughs> in, in Quantico and looking around, you know, there, there were several other cops in the class that were also detectives, but you know, we were challenged. So, you know, as soon as you graduate Quantico, I go back to Los Angeles division, which was one of the top three largest divisions in the FBI. Now here's the kicker is, you know, I went to college in LA. I think I'm going to my second home, yeah. right? Yeah. It's going to be very comfortable for me. But, the you know, just when you think you've got the FBI figured out, they throw you a curveball. And they said, you're in L.A., but you're going to the Palm Springs Resident Agency. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> an I'm hour in the and middle outside. of the desert. And I'm, yes. you know, in my mid-20s at the time. I'm just leaving rope. You know, I'm wearing T-shirt and shorts to work. I got a Camaro for a work car. And I'm, I'm going to work crime in Palm Springs. That's awesome. But. Uh, it, it's what you make of it, right? And yeah. I got out there and I just took everything I learned from rope and I was able to start a safe streets task force out there working gangs. And what many people don't know about Palm Springs and, and Coachella is kind of up yep. on the map mm -hmm. now because of yeah. the music festival. Yep. But if anybody took time, look at where Coachella sits on a map and it sits about an hour and a half north of the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm. There's a Highway 86 that runs right through Coachella and it's um, a huge drug trafficking route. And so Indio, Coachella, a lot of those cities out and around there have got significant gangs and significant drug trafficking. So getting that task force started with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, Riverside County DA's office, Palm Springs PD, Desert Hot Springs PD, all those, those great cops out there, it was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. So um, it, it was where I thought, you know, maybe my law enforcement career was going to significantly slow down from, from my experience being a rope detective. It just carried on from there. Oh, yeah. And I was just really fortunate in that. And then because of that, um, made the SWAT team again with the FBI. And then because of that, we're right in the middle. This is the mid-2000s, right in the middle of the wars. And, you know, our war on terrorism and, and uh, you know, where DOD does not capture or, uh, you know, remove folks from the battlefield. We back here want to prosecute folks mm -hmm. for, for terrorism-related crimes. So they were embedding FBI agents with some of the special forces groups that could wow. do that and get pocket litter on folks yeah, and yeah. folks that we had cases for. So I was in, I was able to be embedded with the 10th special forces group in 2008 in Kabul, uh, Afghanistan. And that was awesome. I mean, wow. you want to talk about surreal, you want to talk about nothing I'd ever seen before. And I, I remember landing in, in Kabul and just thinking to myself, well, this is a long way away from, yeah. from Granite Reef and Indian School. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, this, and so, you know, I took everything that I had learned up to that point, right? Like I said earlier, it's just kind of one thing build upon the next. And I thought, well, what's one thing I definitely know how to do? 
I definitely know how to re- walk into a room and say, hi, I'm me, you're you. How can I help you yeah. with your thing? And the special forces guys like that. You know, they knew that I wasn't there to be a trigger puller. They, they right. got all that. They know how to run their ops. I'm here in case we actually get somebody and that person is going to be tried in, in a U.S. federal court. That, that's why I was there. I knew my role and uh, learned a lot from those guys. Yeah. Learned a lot. Those guys really kind of, that era of the war, really set the tone for how we, we plan tactical operations here domestically. Yeah. Like all SWAT teams kind of learned a lot, a lot from those guys. So I was able to kind of learn from that and, and, and share that with my, my tactical buddies back, back home as soon as, I, as soon as I got back. That then propelled me to... Um, a brief stand at FBI HQ. So all, all agents should go to headquarters to kind of see the inner workings of the FBI, like that peak behind the curtain. And I went back for 18 months uh, in the weapons of mass destruction uh, directorate and learned a lot about, you know, ricin and anthrax and, yeah. and all that stuff. And you really get um, a kind of a 60,000 foot view domestically and internationally about what's going on with WMD yeah. threats. And, you know, interestingly enough, um, a lot going on in that lane in Eastern Europe at the time. And then here we come full circle and a lot going on in that lane, that lane again. So I come back to, uh, come back to LA proper. Now I'm supervising an organized crime squad, which that was, that was amazing. Like putting cases on oligarchs, some of the stuff that we're doing now, seizing property and and just really um, attacking um, Eurasian organized crime. So that was, that was a blast. From there, I was able to promote to assistant special agent in charge in LA so now I go from, and it's crazy just the way, you know, the, the government pay scale works. I'm, I'm capped out at my, my squad supervisor rank. I go from supervising and managing about 15 special agents and a couple IA components to 110. And I remember the day I, I told, my, <laughs> told my wife that, and she said, oh, what's your, what's your pay raise look like? <laughs> and I said, they, they gave me a high five. <laughs> because I'm maxed out in the pay scale. And you can just see like the look on her face, like you're taking on all this responsibility. For the same money. For the exact same pay. That's great. And it was just like a punch in the gut. And I was like, you know, sweetie, we don't do this for the money. If I, if I was in this for the money, I wouldn't have gotten in law enforcement at, at all. And so I was doing the, the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. And then that propelled me into my most, uh, my most recent job, which was uh, section chief in the International Operations Division. And that was kind of a dusting of irony, so to speak. I, I had this flashback to that, that conversation with my sister about, hey, what's the agency that, that works here in the country? So I, I don't <laughs> want to go overseas. And, and here we are, fast forward, you know, 17 years, and I'm in the International Operations Division, kind of traveling all over Central and South America wow. um, and really engaging with our what we call our 5 I partners, the Brits, the Canadians, uh, the Kiwis and the Aussies. So a lot of international stuff going on in that lane. Yeah. And I was there when the war in Ukraine broke out. Wow. And so, you know, I had that moment in sitting in kind of one of those meetings building up to that where I was really proud to work for the United States government. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you guys, when we liaise with our international partners, our most trusted partners, there's almost nothing we can't accomplish. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, just the way we um, just work our cyber investigations, our organized crime investigations. You guys have seen the sanctions against Russia. Yeah. But then you've, all, you've also seen all these seizures, seizing a 300-foot yacht that currently is sitting in San Diego <laughs> that we worked with the Kiwis, um, you know, that belonged to an oligarch. Yeah. And for the U.S. government to just kind of walk in through an investigation and say, this now belongs to Uncle Sam. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right. And it's now sitting in, in, in San Diego. Wow. 
And so that thing costs like an upwards of several hundred dollars per nautical mile to get it back. <laughs> but we paid it because it's worth it, right? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that's, that's how we as the FBI are, are contributing to that war effort and supporting, you know, our partners in, in Ukraine. So I did that for about 18 months. And then uh, this is the, the, my favorite part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking across at Chief because he's going he's gonna to remember this. But, you know, the, the, the director of the FBI called me in, in August and said, uh, hey, I've just selected you as our new SAC in Phoenix. And I just had this kind of cold rush go over my body because I thought I was going back to Los Angeles. Yeah. And for him to send me home is just amazing. It's just, you know, for, for us in federal government, it's hard to get home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I clicked my heels together three times and I didn't work. <laughs> I, I begged, borrowed and did whatever I could. But, you know, the director Ray called me in August and, and uh, gave me the good news. Two minutes after that, my first text was from the Scottsdale Police Department. So Jeff Walther texted me, Rich Slavin texted me, Matt <laughs> Evans texted My first three came from this police department. This was before anybody in the FBI yeah. had congratulated me on my, my phone was blowing up and I'm like, how the hell did those guys know? Yeah. And Got so, a mole in the FBI. <laughs> there was definitely a mole there. Scott, Scottsdale PD was the first, the first three can't wait to have you home. And, and, you know, Jeff, I've, I've leaned on you as soon as I got back. You've introed me to everybody. I, I would say within the first, um, oh, Jeff, I don't know, 30 days, I was probably introduced either electronically or over the phone to every chief in, in at least the East Valley yeah. by way of you. Yeah. And that is, that is critical because cool. partnerships matter. Right? Absolutely, they do. And so I, I can't thank you enough. So I, I go back to the <clears throat> when the director calls you. So when a when the SAC job opens anywhere, is that something that you put in for, like how we do it, or is that something that the director and the you know the assistant director uh, they're like, nah, we know the right people for that stop, or is that like I said, is that something you have to put in for? It's a it's a little bit of both. Like they post the thing, like you know, SAC Phoenix is yeah. open, but also at that time, I think it was it was Phoenix, it was Los Angeles, it was San Francisco, all all posted. Those are oh, all wow. big offices. You know, me being you know as far as the bureau is concerned from LA, um, and it's hard to get folks to go back to LA. Right. Yeah. Um, and that my family stayed there while I was literally living in my sister's basement um, for for that time. So I you know the, I I was just assuming that the FBI was going to send me back to yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah. So yes, my name was in the hat, so to speak. Okay. But then, yeah, they, it's almost like choosing a Pope, right? Like they, there's, <laughs> white there's, smoke. A, there's a, there's, there's a, white smoke. there's a, there's a, there's white smoke. We've selected somebody, but they, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, an, a board back there and that, that's how they choose the executives and they right. take it seriously, right? Like they look at these positions are in the kind of the upper echelon of decision makers for, for the FBI. Right. Like SACs are essentially, the director and the deputy directors, like generals, where their boots yeah, on the yeah. ground, the yeah. front line of like, how are we commanding this yep. field division for right. the threats that we're facing going forward? So, yes, Jeff, you do put in, but then you know, there's there's some arm wrestling going on, and yeah, you know, they they make a selection. I feel like just listening to your your you know your story and kind of your your journey, um, I'm underwhelmed by my own journey. <laughs> That seems to be a theme. Uh, yeah, that, that we like, had. Uh, I feel like I really have done nothing in my career in my in my life. Well, you were on the Heat team. I started Scottsdale Stop. PD in uh, 1994, and 
I'm still here. I've gone nowhere else. <laughs> well, well, you made a trip to Tucson that we could talk about. <laughs> we cannot talk about a pursuit to Tucson. There's, there's policy statute. now. So statute of limitations has expired. I'm sure it's expired. Let's talk about that. I think I said the same thing with Tom Houck. Yeah. We had one of our, yeah. one of our uh, vehicular crimes reconstruction unit detectives on here who was a professional yeah. baseball player. And yep. he had great stories about his time in, in, yeah. uh, in yeah. single A, double A, triple A, and, I was like, man, I got, I got a lot of great cop stories, but I've pretty much done, <laughs> I've done nothing. <laughs> You've done amazing stuff, dude. So what a what a great. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a great segue. And, we, and like I said, I, I uh, when I first heard, because you know I had feelers out. It's imp- was imp- really important to me. I got I got along really well with your predecessor, Sean Call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for me, I look at it as okay, what are we getting? What's the bureau going to send us? Yeah. And it needs to be somebody that we can work with. Uh, and you now hindsight, you know this already, um, especially in my city, in the city of Scottsdale, we are such, uh, we're so driven by major special events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether it be the Open, or uh, which is massive, uh, Super Bowl that just passed, so Super Bowl and the Open being the same week, which we've talked about uh, before. But the Super Bowl, the Open... Uh, Barrett Jackson, spring training. I mean, I can go on and on for, you know, for minutes about all the major activities that go on just in my city. Plus I'm the, I am the, the hub of all major nightlife in the Valley. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that relationship with the Bureau is so important, but uh, you know, agency to agency, but SAC to chief, that, that relationship is so important. Mm-hmm. And when I first, when I heard from my mole uh, <laughs> that, uh, that you had gotten the job, I was over the moon excited. So I'm like, I'm, I'm texting the kill right now. <laughs> Two so. minutes after the director <laughs> called me, I kid you not. That was awesome. I sent you that text and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, and, and for the all reasons we discussed, which is it's great to have somebody who really understands local law enforcement, right. mm-hmm. um, understands how we do the job, uh, what the resources we can bring to bear. And then mm-hmm. how can we, how we can partner with each other, and uh, just in that short period of time, you've been awesome. Uh, and, and I hear that Thanks, from Jeff. my from my peers uh, in the East Valley and some of my peers in the West Valley that I, I spend obviously far more time with the East Valley, but I'm very well connected with with some of our West Valley agencies. And everybody's like, oh, this is great. It feels great. He has <laughs> nice. connectivity. We hear from him. Uh, we hear, don't, don't get me wrong. We heard from Sean, too. But it's, uh, you know, Sean grew up in a different area mm-hmm, in, in mm-hmm. his career. And, and you, you had, you have local law enforcement experience here yeah. in the Valley. Right. Yep. So uh, it's been, uh, it's been great and great, great partners. For those of you who, who don't know, and I talk about partnerships a lot, uh, the Bureau is great, great partners with us out at the uh, Waste Management People's Open. The People's people like Open. To say Phoenix Open, but that's in Scottsdale, not in Phoenix. <laughs> uh, at the People's Open, uh, w- incredible partners. Couldn't couldn't really pull it off yeah. as well and as safely without you. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, you bet. So coming back to the Phoenix area, um, what are your goals for for how you want to run kind of the area and, and with with the Valley agencies and the partnerships and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your visions for it? And how do we fit into that? Right. <laughs> Let's talk task force officers. No. Um, you know, my goals, guys, if you look at kind of what's going on nationally um, with all these critical incidents, active shooters and stuff, and my goal, my vision um, is uh, really to be as integrated as we possibly can 
Like that next thing is it's just down the road. We don't know when it is or when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen, but it's it's coming. It's just the nature of of what we do. And if you look to see how, you know, they responded in, in, in Buffalo, for example, or or how they responded in Uvalde or, or, or Parkland or any of the other active shooters, the most recent one in Allen, Texas, is that um, Jeff, all you need to do is send a text message, a phone call, whatever. Like, I need you, and this is what I need. Yeah. And you know the answer is yes. But, like, I've extended the same thing to Mike Sullivan and any yeah. other chief or sheriff in, in the area. And that's really how I see the role of the FBI. We have some things that the FBI does solely um, on its own. And those are only really two things. Significant public corruption, counterintelligence. Those are really the only two things we kind of do on our own just yeah. because of the nature of what they what they are. Every single thing else that the FBI does, we do it with partnerships. Mm -hmm. So that's really, it's like, I, I want to show up and say, how, how can I help you? And guys, I really get that from, that led to some of my success when I was yeah. in, when I was in Afghanistan. Like I showed up and it's like, hey guys, I don't, I don't know how to run a special forces unit. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not an army ranger. I didn't go through, you know, the, any of these schools, but you know, I know what I know. And how can I bring that to the, to the table to help you be successful? So this incident, you know, if a critical incident happens in Scottsdale, it's going to be like Jeff Walther's critical incident, yeah. right? You're going to be responsible for right. that. And I have um, full faith that I can help you be successful in that and overcome that. But that that's really what I see kind of my vision for, for, the, for the state. And I think that's great too, because there's an opportunity for us to share resources. There are things on the local level. I know you've, um, since you're, since you've been back, you've reached out to your, some of your former rope, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. counterparts yep. here and said, Hey, you know, I need help with this or, or yeah. can you provide a, you know, resource for this? And so I really like that. Um, and it speaks to, you mentioned, uh, you know, your time in Afghanistan, but, but the confidence you bring, but the leadership humility that you bring yeah. uh, to the table, I think is, uh, is just a recipe for your, that's for your success yep. and why people, you endear yourself to people. Cause it's, you know, like, uh, I, sorry, <laughs> this is, this is so eighties. But I, I, I go always go back to Die Hard, you know, Agent Johnson and Agent Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson. Sorry, I'm in, I'm a kid of the '80s. Right? I have it written on my notes here. It's written on my notes. It's I'm great. A, that's awesome because I'm a kid of the '80s, right? Oh and so uh, Agent Johnson, and Agent Johnson, and uh, and the assistant chief walks up and he said. I'm Daryl something or other, yeah, yeah. and I'm in charge here. And, and one of Johnson says, <laughs> you not, any more, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you, uh, I, if you walked up to one of my scenes and, and, as the chief and you're like, I'm special agent in charge, uh, Keel Davis, and uh, I, this is my scene now. I'd be like, get out of here. I'm going to pepper spray you in the face right now. I'd have you in the back of a police car with handcuffs on. <laughs> it, um... So it, it's funny you say that. So, you know, I get here and it's, you know, it's, it's just weird. Some things are coincidence and just some things, you know, happen on purpose. My there friend. are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. And the first, you know, our first SWAT call out, you know, is here and it's a barricade subject. And it's, I think it's, it's in North Scottsdale. It's right. It's in, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. I, about that I, one. I call, I call Jeff and I said, Hey man, we got this guy. We just did a thing. You know, we, we tried to get him out. He ran back in with a gun. He's barricaded. I think we got it. And you're like, what do you need? What, what do you need? I'm like, we've got marked units out there. I think we got it, and we, we talked them out. And then fast forward, we did have a shooting incident out on the, on the out reservation. On the res. Right next to us. And yeah. I, I called you, and I said, hey, I, this is out on the res. It, it has nothing to do with the city of Scottsdale. But, uh, and then you, like, cut me off. Hey, watch commander's on his way. Yeah. And it, just, hey, just in case you need something from the city of Scottsdale. Like, 
that's the type of partnership I'm talking about. That's the type of relationships that we have here, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, it's it's terrific, and and we we really can rely on one another. Both our state, local, mm-hmm. and and federal partners, like none. Of, I, it's amazing. I, I I talked about on one of our last podcasts. We brought in not including the FBI and the assets we borrowed from you guys. We brought in 300 police officers from around the valley and mm-hmm. state to to really support our our mission uh, during the Super Bowl and the waste management mm-hmm. open. We brought in a 1.3 million people, right? Yeah. And that caught co- that the cost to the city of Scottsdale was exactly zero dollars. Wow. Um, that That's was awesome. all in kind because mm-hmm. they know that, like you, I'm I'm going to throw a resource. Yeah, I'm going to throw all my, my two bike units at yep. the ostrich festival yeah. in Chandler or yeah. the barbecue festival or you yeah. need, Oh, you need cops. Absolutely. We're going to send them to you. And so that command that, van recently that we sent. Out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Phoenix has had a bit of violence lately. <laughs> yes, I mean, right? we all have, but there's yeah. this higher. And so their two command vans were at yep. two different scenes yep. when they had a third. Yep. Yeah. And they called us, Hey, can we borrow your command van? Yep. Of course, as long as you give it back, because your command vans are not so nice. They're not yeah. ours. <laughs> ours is what you do, think it would be. Do your so. command vans have latte machines? Because yeah. yeah. ours do. Our, yeah, so. ours. I mean, ours have slide outs and couches and big TVs <laughs> right. and right. bean bags. There's irony in that. I, yeah. I gave Mike Sullivan, uh, Chief Sullivan, with Phoenix PD, uh, just some good natured ribbing. Uh, I had one of my one of my SAU sergeants was shot in uh, in Phoenix in yep. January uh, serving a warrant, and I was in their command van because yeah. it happened in Phoenix. I was in their command van, and we were watching on body camera footage, uh, and so. <laughs> On a tiny little screen of a laptop, all, all crammed. It was hilarious. It was hilarious, right? So then, we had an officer, another officer involved, and we uh, one of our SEU uh, ops, uh, detectives was involved in that shooting as well. But uh, fast forward, then a couple months later, we had another officer involved shooting, and we brought our command van out. It was our scene in our city. And I would laughed at that because we were sitting at a conference table yeah. inside our command van watching OBC watching footage TVs, right, right. On, a, on a like a right. on a fifty inch TV <laughs> like, yeah. like on one section while internal affairs and the detectives right. were in the other half watching OBC footage on another big screen yeah. TV. And I said, "Well, we're not in Phoenix anymore." Are we? <laughs> <laughs> little, little different on it. Yeah. So air conditioner blowing yeah. ice cold. Right. You know the the, like, oh, the, the Phoenix uh, command van was blowing dust bunnies out from the seventies, <laughs> and and so it was. So I gave I gave Mike some just some good natured grief about that. There, <laughs> Phoenix is an amazing partner for us as well, and uh, I mean just rely on on Mike and his crew often to to help us out. So it's uh it's it's a great relationship but I know that when you have the Scottsdale command van which an Arvit command van is 10 years old but it's still a freaking palace. Yeah. Um, compared to the last yeah, one yeah. we had. So they're out at one of their homicides and they're like the detectives were probably like man this Scottsdale van's nice <laughs> and the AC's blowing cold. Yeah. So I have to find a way to spend a lot of time in yeah, there. Yeah. It's uh yeah. it's it's great stuff. And you know Kevin you threw one last question on here about what are some misnomers with law enforcement and federal agencies but was that the Johnson and Johnson one? <laughs> that I I frequent first of all I watch that that movie every yes. year because it's a Christmas holiday. It's a Christmas, holiday movie. It's a Christmas movie. movie. People say it's not but it is. It's a Christmas it's movie. It's a Christmas movie and I, I give presentations at at some of the local high schools and there I take that exact clip yeah. for that exact reason. And just in my mind I would love to have been in the writing room when they were writing out that scene yeah. cuz somebody like did not think highly of the FBI and yeah. I just think like you're sending just just two agents this the you know a black guy and a white guy are going to go out with the same last name. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the scene is timeless. It's oh, awesome. The whole, the it's whole awesome. movie, the whole movie is great. So it's funny because, you know, that at least people of my age, Aaron, it, that sparked a lot of good conversation. But to this day, I still use that in conversation mm-hmm. with, with young people who say, hey, I think I want to be in the FBI. Mm-hmm. And I say, because I did too. Mm-hmm. When I was in when mm-hmm. I was in college, I, I thought, you know what, I think... I think I want, I want to go into law, local law enforcement. I'm going to be a cop for a while, and I think I want to go to the FBI. And then mm-hmm. I came here, mm-hmm. and I just, you know the feeling. I, yeah. I loved every minute of yep. it, and so here we sit today. Yep. But I tell young people, I, mean, I say, great, if you're interested in the FBI, FBI, great, be a cop first. Yeah. Uh, get into local law enforcement. Learn how to talk to people. Learn mm-hmm. how learn officer safety. Learn mm-hmm. all of those yeah. great things you learn as a, as a cop. And then if you're still interested, then, then by all means apply to the, uh, the FBI, the ATF, uh, you mm-hmm. know, any of those, uh, any of those three letter federal agencies, but being a cop will make you better. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I think you're just a, you're just a poster child. Of <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Chief Talk. Now for Sergeant Kwan's last round of today's For Reals questions. And by the time you hear this, we'll be calling him Lieutenant Kwan. You know, Akil, we uh, we usually end this with uh, uh, Kevin coming up with a couple uh, odd questions that neither you, you or I see. Okay, um, it, it's my favorite section. It's his favorite section because usually that's we have a we have a running debate that's going to end here on the twenty second uh, when Kevin's uh, no longer here. He loves Star Wars, as do I, but I like Star Trek. Um, and what so, you yeah. can't see my I, eyes rolling because Star Trek is. I like Star Trek. Silly. Get out of here. Well, I mean, I love both. I love <laughs> yes. both, but I, I really, oh. I really enjoy the Star Trek movies as well. So we, I think we're done here. Yeah, and that's yeah. what you know your favorite <laughs> Marvel character and all that. So go ahead, go all ahead. Right, let's well, go. well, I just had to stop doing movies because like a lot of people don't understand like the nerdisms that you can put into it. And anyways, so here's a actually a connection, a homegrown question for you. Um, what was it like to play with my former college coach and star linebacker for UCLA, Brian Wilmer? Oh, my God. You know Brian Wilmer. Yes, sir. Okay. Brian Wilmer's that guy. <laughs> Ugh, Wilmer. Okay. <laughs> Brian Wilmer's that guy. You know when you're doing hitting drills and the coach will say 50%. Yeah. Now, listen, I truly believe Wilmer went 50%, but his 50% is everybody's 99%. Yes. He's the guy when there's two lines and it's like, hey, we're going to run down and kind of form tackle and you're in this line and, and you start counting over to see – and you're like, one, two, three. Okay, Wilmer's third. How do I not one, two, three. Crap, I'm third. Let me step out of line and tie my shoelaces real quick so I don't have to hit <laughs> Brian Wilmer. Yes. So that's super nice guy. Yes. Super nice guy. What would he guy. coach you in uh, video games? Uh, no, I was a uh, former athlete before I, I broke know you my were, leg. Yeah, you, were, um, yeah. you broke your leg playing flag, flag football, football, football against the fire department. Yeah. I'll show you a video. Oh, yeah. I know you. you yeah. They cheated. You were, you were an athlete of some repute. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, but I punted, so it wasn't the matter. But he was our uh, he was one of our linebackers coach at Azusa Pacific. Okay, I was going to say, um, California somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, nice. uh, and you would see him walk around, and you're like, you know he played because he's a ginormous human being, but his personality didn't, yeah. didn't fit uh, a inside linebacker or wh- yeah. outside, yeah. whatever you yeah. did. It, right. Man. Yeah, middle linebackers usually aren't nice people. No, no but, and, uh, and he's a pastor, and he's yes. all this other stuff that you just don't see. And then you know, like if he goes into mode, like yeah. you're dead. And yeah. he's just that that guy. And look at that! You ruined your you know your future punting career by you know because you could have still walked on somewhere. <laughs> I, I think I still have eligibility before I got my master's degree. But Arizona State will need. Yeah, when we had we, we realized that when we had uh, you know police fire. Uh, 
flag football games, yeah. it was probably a bad it idea. It was probably We bad. had far too many, far too many injuries. <laughs> well, you know, you're not supposed to dive in flag football, and that's what a firefighter did, and my leg decided oh, to yeah. pop out of my body. That's and bad. Oh, bad. my God. Yeah, it's great. I don't have any Ouch. PTSD from it at all. <laughs> okay, all right, so some fun questions. Um, would you rather have physical strength or mental strength, and what would you use that strength for if you could only have one or the other? Mm. I guess I'll take mental strength. Um, I don't know, because maybe I could move stuff with my mind. That oh, cool. huh? he just went straight. I did. Yeah. I went, went like lo- X-Men. You like went Dr. X, Dr. Professor X. X. Yep. Yeah, there you I go. love it. Yeah, you yeah. went totally. Uh, See? Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, I too, would go with a mental strength. And then I could I could once and for all get you to see things my way. <laughs> Instead of your own dumb way. <laughs> You're very See? difficult. Yes. I think I'm going to put that on our next like intro. Like, how, how is Star Wars better than Star Trek? Chief explains it. Oh, wait. No, it's the opposite. I would love that because then, <laughs> and I would, like, I would love that mental strength to somehow create pictures in your mind of how you're wrong. And so, uh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd go mental That'd be strength. awesome. <laughs> That's great. Okay, do you prefer driving or flying? I prefer driving. Driving way. Yeah. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of flying. Maybe it's a control thing, but uh, absolutely driving. I, yeah. I, I, love, I love road trips. If anybody, uh, if, if you've ever flown through LAX, Terrible. Goodness, I don't know what's happened to that airport. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I, I prefer driving. I hate driving because of growing up in L.A. Yeah. The, well, the constant four-hour traffic yeah. that you had to plan your day around. Yep. Like, I used to not understand why if we went in the car somewhere, it would take longer than if we went on a plane. Because yeah. we'd go visit my grandparents in East L.A., it would take us 45 minutes, and yeah. we'd live 15 minutes from them. So yeah. I'm traumatized. But yeah, you, you guys would rather drive to, like, Alpine for like six hours. Yeah, four hours. It's a four-hour drive, yeah. and it's a beautiful four-hour <laughs> yeah. drive. I'll be driving to Lake Havasu tomorrow. So, yeah. I love Lake Havasu. You know, it's a, like a little hidden gem. Yeah. It really is. Havasu's so, great. Yeah. You going there for work or? Going there for work. Yeah. We got an office out there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> for work. For work, yep. in, yeah. In May. Okay. Oh, it's good. This just relates to May. Uh, cannonball into a pool or dip, to, dip a toe first? Cannonball. Oh, cannonball. Yeah. Yeah. You got to yeah. get Definitely aggressive. this time of year. Are you I, kidding? Yeah. I knew you guys were going to say it. I aggressive. hate that feeling. And I'd prefer yeah. if there are unknowing people just lounging <laughs> around the pool at the time. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, six foot one and a half, 215 pound chief, you better believe it, man. I want to get everybody like, with that. I'd love to have- hit the barbecue. You know, yes. like put the fire out yes. in the barbecue. Oh yes. You have to yell cannonball while you're in the air. Too. <laughs> what TV theme song can you recite verbatim? You take the good, you take the bad, something, something there you have, the facts, facts of, of life. life. <laughs> <laughs> that was super impressive and embarrassing at the same time. Yeah. That's uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I can, I can't think of any. Uh, was that not a big thing when you were a kid? Cause we had TV when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kevin, we had TV when kidding. I was a kid too. And I'm not I called kidding. you old. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was funny. I got a question not too long ago. Like when you, if you walked into a room what would be your your TV show theme song? Oh, yeah. Oh. And mine was the theme song to Starsky and Hutch. Ah, uh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, we're going to use that one. That's yeah. going to be a great sound bite. Yeah. Okay. What chore do you 
absolutely despise doing weed pulling i grew up in i grew up here in a valley mm-hmm. and weed pulling was one of my chores and i absolutely hate it to you spray them first or you just go no right there's it? no spray that's no my, no my dad didn't believe in spray he believed in kids pulling their weight <laughs> and uh yeah yeah i pulling pulling weeds oh by the way and i grew up in a yard full of cactus a very <laughs> a varying uh, lethality and so jump and choy again you for no reason yeah yeah so pulling pulling weeds in my yard full of cactus uh, cleaning up dog poop. Yes. Uh, which I have to do a lot. I tell the 11 year old that's his job and, uh, he just doesn't, or he'll go out and pick up one pile and that's it. Clean yeah. up dog poop. It's gotta be so much harder on rocks. Yeah. That's one of the reasons yeah. I don't have a dog. Like it, it's yep. just disgusting. Clean. I, I hate the, uh, the J pipe in the sink when it, when the, the oh, thing hair? gets clogged and you yeah, can't yeah. get it. And it looks yeah. like a slimy rat when uh, you pull it out. It just yeah. makes you want to vomit. Yeah. There's you drain it as much I've as you can. And as soon as you pull it out, you're like, oh. yes. Yeah. What do you say when you answer the phone and what is your congenial goodbye? That even a word? What is what is congenial? I don't even know what that means. I just made that mm. one up. Like, what do you say typically when you say, like, the, the end the call? Yep. I answer the phone. This is Jeff. Yeah. Even to solicitors, huh? Well, I, I don't know. I, just, I see the phone <laughs> ringing. Well, if it says, you know, potential spam i don't answer it but because i have my work phone forwarded to my personal phone a number will just show up i just say yep this is jeff and hey chief or they they, oh this is so and so yeah exactly that this is a kill and it's bitten me in the butt before because i've gotten this is a kill and you hear this like eastern european accent who and i repeat myself and then they hang up and i'm like I just got, oh, they got me. Yeah. Uh, if if I hear silence report, after I identify yeah. myself, I say, this is Jeff, and there's a moment of silence, I hang Click. up. Yep. Done. Yep. Done. And how do I sign off? I just say, I don't know. All right, take care. See you later. Or I'll yeah. see you. Bye. Yep. That's how you do it. What do you say? So I intentionally, oh boy. I intentionally do this to whenever you talk to somebody on the phone, especially reporters, because, you know, they're uh, always, they're always super into it and everything. Yeah. Don't talk I, to reporters. I always, <laughs> it's not true. You have been on a couple of things. They really like you. I mean, I don't talk to them on the phone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I love to say bye-bye to hear them and nine out bye-bye. of 10 times they will say it back. And it just makes me laugh as I'm hanging up the phone with them every single bye-bye. time all right i'm gonna start trying that bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye. and they go bye-bye <laughs> really quite odd all right that's all i got sirs yeah uh those were a little easier than the you know who's your favorite superhero and what nerdy thing do you want to do and what's your what role do you want to play in dungeons and dragons but anyway good job uh kevin uh thank you for <laughs> super mario brothers was there but yeah super mario brothers yeah mm-hmm. uh you've been awesome you've been a great host uh, nice. go, great sorry great co-host yeah, it's uh, you've done some great work in the community engagement section and I'm going to miss you, but I'm excited for you and I'm proud of you as you uh, move forward in your career and uh, going to, yeah, going to miss you on the show. So thanks for all that you've done. No problem. Thank you. Akil, same. So yeah. proud of you. So glad thanks, to have man. you here and uh, honored that you'd spend the time with us today and, and uh, the connectivity that you have with Scottsdale PD and, and the, the law enforcement community is terrific. And so I just think you're just going to continue to kill it here. So thanks for all you do and thanks for coming back. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, and to all of our listeners out there, uh, take care of each other. It's a, it's a crazy time again. I know I sign off with that pretty pretty regularly, and I don't think things are going to change for a while, but you can be part of that change. Let's just take a breath. 
take it easy, relax a little bit more. Uh, let's not get into the road rage business. We're seeing a lot of that going on right now. And remember that each day offers all of us the opportunity to be more in the service of one another. Let's, uh, let's take that to heart. I challenge you with that all the time. Um, let's take care of each other because uh, we're all we have. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month. Thanks for joining us today on Chief Talk. Be sure to tune in next month where Chief Waltha will be introducing his new co-host and the new sergeant of the community engagement section. Be safe, stay cool, and please remember, don't leave your kids or pets in the car, especially during these hot summer months.